Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Gridiron Blitz Podcast, your weekly source for women's American football, insights, game recaps, and NFL News Weekly. Subscribe on Apple and iHeart. Welcome to the Blitz, uh, episode 456. Oscar Lopez, your host in the house. We're going to be followed in the second hour by the backseat coach, a.k.a. Mark Simone. Uh, we're going to be talking everything WFA, national championships, pro, D2, D3, all the matchups in the second hour, 60 minutes devoted to it. We're going to break down everything in, in terms of both matchups. And we're going to also dive in right now in about 15 minutes with the WNFC president, uh, Elizabeth Jenkins, and general manager of the Texas Elite Spartans, the 2023 champions. We're going to be talking everything that happened in the 2023 WNFC season, talk about some of the things in terms of the platform, uh, in terms of television, and what uh, will be worked out for 2024. We're also going to dive into what to expect in 2024. You know, will there, will there be shifts in terms of teams and who will stay, who will go. That's happened every year in the WNFC. We'll see if this is the year they stay stable. Uh, but uh, overall, we're going to dive into the WNFC. Uh, also, um, we'll dive into the Nebraska Pride. Uh, coaches Nancy Javot, uh, Mayer, and Jen uh, Harakawa, uh, Coach K, uh, on the success of the Nebraska Pride and the WFA into a first year onto the playoff run and what to expect for the 2023 recruiting season um, so that the, in, you know, uh, what we all be diving into as well. Plus we got international recaps here from Europe. We got, uh, you know, congratulations to the champions in uh, Nuevo Leon football league down in Mexico. That would be the dark storm. If you go to the hub, facebook.com forward slash Cordine beauties, you would have known that already. So check it out, go to the hub, the best network on the planet exists at the hub. It's been existing for since 2000, almost 10, so long time. So if you want to dive into anything that's happening in the sport, uh, internationally, domestically, plus the two top uh, leagues in the world, the WNFC and the WFA, right there at the hub, facebook.com for slash Cordon Beauties. If you're inclined to go to our shop, uh, the podcast is powered by Zazzle.com. Zazzle is our, our sponsor, been a sponsor for a long time. Go to the shop, the Zazzle shop. It's a no-joke football shop. Get yourself some cool T-shirts, leggings. Helps out us with the podcast to keep the information going weekly in terms of information about women's tackle football and the news and weekly as well. So check it out, No Joke Football Gear at the Hub. You can go to the IG page as well, at No Joke Football. You can go to the bio link there, get yourself some gear. Also, we're on Threads on IG. So if you haven't followed us on Threads on IG, if you converted your IG account to Threads on IG, uh, you will obviously be requested to follow us. So I appreciate you guys if follow us. We've got almost close to 500 followers now on Threads on IG. So I appreciate those, everybody that's following us there as well on the Threads on IG as well as on IG at Gridiron Beauties. All right. Um, don't forget, subscribe, like, and share our podcast on Apple and Sprecher, the two major platforms that we engage with. And that's the two major platforms that we want to penetrate to bring attention to women's tackle football uh, in terms of the airwaves of podcasting. So check it out, subscribe, uh, make sure you uh, give us a cool five-star review as well. 
You can download over 400 episodes on Apple Podcasts as well as on Sprecher by iHeart. Uh, and if you miss any of our podcasts, you can go over some of the cool ones that we've had throughout the season so far. Uh, we had 452 Chris Sacco in the house recapping the girls, uh, Utah girls tackle football season and what it's going to look like for the future there, as well as 451, the uh, talented Lexi Floor with her new uh, clothing line. So check out that interview, as well as T. Singleton of the uh, OKC Lady Force, who will be competing in this weekend's uh, D2 National Championship. Then uh, 450, we broke down everything in terms of the WFA playoffs, the preview, and everything that you are going to expect this weekend. Also, 449, Championship Mindset, one of our uh, best podcast episodes of all time. Adrian Smith, the WFA all-time receiving leader of the Boston Renegades, and Angelica Grayson, uh, multi-time champion with the Texas Elite Spartans of the WNFC. And who better to to dive into championship mindset than two champions, multi-time champions. And then 448, LaWanda Renee Pearson of the Pittsburgh Passion. Also 447, Jasmine Ballard of the Washington Prodigy. So you can check out all the rest of the podcasts all the way down to the beginning of the year from February. Make sure you, like I said, like and subscribe and give us a a cool five-star review if you like what we bring to the content. All right, so we're going to dive into Finland, uh, and then we'll dive into the interview with Elizabeth Jenkins and a couple miniature Finland for sure. Also action in, uh, in T3 tournament results in the NWFL UK. So thanks to Gridiron Girls UK. If you fo- don't follow them, go ahead and follow them on TikTok, also on IG. They're the uh, the best coverage. Uh, Molly Bryson does an outstanding job covering the NWFL for us as well, and we just, uh, end up sharing things for her. So you can go to the hub, facebook.com, right there, and she's got some updates in terms of the standings as well. And we'll dive in also to a- AFVD, which is the German D- uh, League One, DBL One. Uh, we'll dive into that as well as we approach some of the playoffs in terms of the finish season coming up here. Uh, Division two finish season. You get the post right there at the hub. Uh, I believe that's going to be this weekend. And then next weekend we'll, get, we'll have the finals in about three weeks. So the Finland um, Division one championship or final semifinals are happening this week. Uh, the Maple League uh, league is still in progress and won't be until, I think, September. So we will not be um, – on air after next week. Next week will be our last podcast episode of the 2023 season. Uh, 457 will be our last episode of the season right after the WFA National Championships. Uh, We will convene in February of 2024. And unfortunately, uh, I just have to announce it now and we'll announce it next week. Uh, 2024 will be our last season of our podcast. Unfortunately, uh, priorities in my life have taken over, and so I have to, you know, devote more time to my spouse and to my at home, and I don't have the luxury to do that with running, you know, the the, the uh, social media pages, social media aspects of it, and having to devote, you know, three hours every su- Sunday to get ready for Tuesday, and just don't have the energy anymore. I really love doing this, but unfortunately, uh, it's come to a, a situation where it's the time is a constraint. So uh, hopefully somebody else will take over for us after 2024 and continue the mission of bringing awareness to women's tackle football. But as it stands today and next week will be our last show of 2023, and the last ride will be in 2024, February, 
through the end of the WFA National Championships in 2024. That will be our last ride. And so uh, kind of sad and happy at the same time, but at the same time, very proud that we uh, were able to uh, bring attention to the sport for a long, long time in terms of longevity and impact. So, um, you know, thanks to our crew, to our network, and thanks to everybody that's helped us out along the way because this is important, and hopefully somebody will take the baton and after 2024 and, uh, you know, take it on as well and make a commitment like we've done every Tuesday to bring attention to the sport in terms of insights, results, interviews. Uh, we've interviewed amazing athletes, coaches, pioneers, legends, um, you know, contributors, everything. So uh, if you're inclined, uh, we have a whole library that goes back to 2010. So you can listen to everything that we've done in the past and you get to uh, be enlightened about women's tackle football history in general. So, uh, so it's going to be a great ride in 2024. Uh, Mark Simone, myself as well, uh, we will be basically on a send-off. But uh, looking forward to the finals here in the WFA this coming weekend, July 22nd. In the second hour, we will dive in with the Oracle of Women's Tackle Football. That is the backseat coach, a.k.a. Mark Simone, and we'll dive in exactly what's happening in terms of that realm. So let's finish up here with Finland. Uh, so in Finland, we do have some matchups in terms of the matchups here. Let me just get my notes. So we have Turku 39-10 uh, against the Northern Lights. That was on July 15th. Uh, pretty impressive win, 14-0 in the first quarter, 13-7 second quarter. They're just dominant. Uh, and then week eight here, July 22nd, coming up week nine, Northern Lights will take on Tampiri. Uh, Northern Lights uh, winless all season. It's got to be very important for Tampiri to keep to get the win so they can stay pay, uh, in pace with uh, Turku. And Tampiri is probably the only team that really is challenging um, Turku Trojans at this point during the season. So week 10, uh, Tampiri will also face off against the Wolverines. So it's a very important and crucial two weeks for the Tampiri Saints in Finland in terms of the Maple League women's final, um, in terms of the stretch. And so if they can get those two wins, we are looking, obviously, at a repeat in the final. Turku, Tampiri, and uh, Tampiri would love nothing better to take down the Turku Trojans after their, uh, you know, success the last couple seasons. So that would be an impressive thing to do. Um, Let me dive into the NWFL. Let's dive into that right now. So in the NWFL in the U.K., uh, in terms of the um, non-I-9 uh, season, London Warriors 4-0, Birmingham Lions 2-1, Leeds Chargers 1-2, Edinburgh 1-2, Petersburg Royals 0-3. Uh, so if you look back at the stretch that's happening in terms of the NWFL, uh, we go back to, I believe, the 22nd. And so this coming weekend, we have Leeds Chargers will take on Edinburgh, and we will have Petersboro Royals taking on Birmingham. So that's going to be the matchup here coming up this weekend. Uh, we'll dive into the rest of the matchups here. Let's go to uh, the NWL Regional North, which is 7-on-7. Seven seven. Uh, Teesside uh, just killing it. Four, to, four, uh, four wins, zero losses. Manchester 3-1. and one. So 1-3 uh, and three for kills. Cheshire Bears 0-4. Oh so in the north, pretty much it'll be a contest between uh, Teesside and Manchester as it stands today. And then uh, on uh, 617, and that was the matchup. It was Teesside 32 to two against East, East Kilbert, and it was 52 to six, uh, Manchester beating Cheshire. 
And so the matchup is going to be basically uh, T-side, a, re, a rematch of uh, 7-1. 7-1, T-side was 40-0 to zero against Manchester. So uh, Manchester needs to, you know, up their game a little bit because T-side's been on fire at this point. So uh, we're looking at uh, 7, uh, 729 for that region, regional north. 729, it will be Manchester against East Kilbride Pirates, T-side against Cheshire one more time, Cheshire against Manchester, and T-side against Kilbride. So that's what we're looking for in terms of the north. Then we go to the um, central, and unfortunately the Valkyries have uh, basically called it quits for the season. So that's not a good sign over here in this region in terms of the central. So Solent Thrashers, 4-0, probably the Lone Star here. And then it's going to be uh, Leicester Falcons, 1-3, opportunity for them to kind of step in. And then in the east, Kent Ex- Exiles, 3-1, Norwood Devils, 3-1, Hershire Cheetahs, 0-4. So we're looking at 6-10 um, six six, was the last matchups here, 10-8, Norwood Devils over uh, Hertzshire and then Kensiles 33 to 22 as well. So uh, matchups there. So Solent Thrashers basically own this matchup. So 729 is going to be kind of unique because it's going to be Norwood against Kent, Kent versus Leicester Falcons, and then throw, uh, Solent Thrashers against Hertfordshire. Um, if I'm saying that right, uh, yeah, I'm saying that right. So uh, that's the NWF, NWFL uh, rundown for the UK. Like I say, you can follow Gridiron Girls UK on uh, Instagram. You can follow them on TikTok. You can also follow them on our on the Facebook page as well, and they keep you up to date on everything that's happening in the National Women's Football League United Kingdom in terms of the 999 and 707. So shout out to Molly Bryson. Uh, does a great job out there and bringing us attention and obviously feedback and the insights that's happening in the sport in the UK. So really appreciate her efforts and and everything that she does for the sport in terms of the UK. All right, so if we go to Germany, uh, this past weekend it was Hamburg Blue Devils uh, losing to Oldenburg Knights 20-0. to uh, Molsheim Shamrocks and Cologne Falcons did not get a score there. Hamburg Amazons against Kill Baltic Hurricanes 62-0. to And the Hamburg's been explosive this season. They're the ones that took down Berlin Cobras a couple weeks ago, so really impressive. Um, the Ashen Vampires taking on Solingen as well, 29-22, Seligen uh, Wolpefold uh, defeats Ar- Archen. And then on 7-16, it was uh, Algu Comets defeating Leftland Hawks, 22-0. Main Golden Eagles uh, edge the Red Knights, Tubalin, 20-12. Uh, Mayhem Bandages against Golden Dragons did not play. There was no score update there. Erlingen Rebels versus Munich Cowboys do have some highlights of the 32-15 to uh, win right there at the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties. The next matchup coming up here in Germany will be Schwabschitz Unicorns taking on Maine's Golden Eagles. So the Golden Eagles looking for back-to-back wins. Uh, Unicorns are a pretty good squad so far this season. So that's what we have look, to look forward to in terms of the German League. So a lot of action happening in the sport in terms of the German League, in terms of the UK as well. So it really, really awesome. Uh, matchups coming up there in terms of the sport going forward. Um, Seems here. Um, I got some notes here. Uh, let's see here. All right. There we go. And now we're going to be on the air. So there we go. So there we go. 
There we go. So uh, we're going to be waiting here for Elizabeth Jenkins of the WNFC. Uh, Elizabeth Jenkins, president of WNFC, uh, and also general manager of the Texas Elite Spartans. So great season so far in the WNFC um, through its five-year history. We had a great event at the Nine Cup as well. Uh, interesting to see how things are fair in 2024. But we do have some teams in the WNFC that uh, obviously need to be adjusted as well. And then we have some sad news as well. Um, one of the Trojan players, uh, let me get my notes here and see my notes. But there was a uh, circumstance, of course, uh, unfortunately it happened in the Trojans uh, realm of things. And I want to be able to bring that up right now. One second. And bring it up here. There we go. Um, and unfortunately, there was an incident that happened in Nashville. And uh, Latoria L.T. Mitchell on July 14th uh, passed passed away of when, uh, during an incident with her boyfriend. And so um, she was not able to survive. Uh, and I believe it was a shooting. And so uh, we, you know, our condolences, and we're saddened by the tragic and sudden loss of uh, Latoria L.T. Mitchell of the Tennessee Trojans. Um, and so, you know, our condolences to the Trojan family, her family. She leaves a son behind, very young, um, young man. And so uh, hopefully, you know, her family and the, the boy's uh, parents, or father, maybe they will take the lead there, and grandparents and, uh, you know, Racist child, obviously, uh, not something that you want to happen to your, to your situation. Not something that needs to be, you know, a, a situation that you go about doing. But, you know, uh, violence is never, never the solution. I mean, that's never a solution, no matter what you do, whether it be physical violence, domestic violence, or gun violence. That's never the solution. I mean, there's always some sort of remedy or some sort of things that you can do to prevent all that. Uh, discussions. But uh, sometimes, you know, uh, human emotion takes over and we go very irrational and become a situation where we don't think clearly, we lash out, and then we try to solve a problem that is not something that we want to deal with or do with. So um, it just becomes a, you know, a bad situation. So I just don't understand how you can go and take a life, but there's obviously people out there that do and... And that that gentleman or person, um, that person decided that they were going to go ahead and, you know, take care of the situation in a severe, tragic manner. So, um, you know, our condolences and love and uh, prayers go to her son, who will now will have to, you know, move on without his mother. And so uh, Latoria uh, L.T. Mitchell, we, uh, you know, we pray that everything will go right for her young son to make sure that that happens. So we're going to be waiting on, uh, right now we're going to wait on Elizabeth Jenkins here. I um, don't know if she's on, let me see if I get her on the call here. See if she's on there. Let me see if I can do that here. We go from there. Um, so the season has gone really well for the WNFC. I mean, five seasons. They got dance uh, in terms of the platform. You got W Score, which was really inexpensive, and uh, that was a platform that obviously you can acquire and watch every team, uh, your favorite team as well. You can support the team by uh, subscribing to each team's uh, area, 
and that was pretty impressive there to get some revenue and then make this more of a legitimate business platform. Um, we also had some really close games all season long in terms of the Pacific Division. We also have really close games in the Central Division. Those were really challenging games as well. Um, so it was really interesting to see, you know, Denver against Houston. It was a really cool matchups between Mississippi, Houston, Mississippi, also um, and Texas Elite Spartans during the season. Um, it was interesting to see, you know, the matchups in the in the Pacific, which is San Diego, and then Denver, uh, Denver edging uh, Las Vegas to, to make the playoffs. That was an interesting, uh, you know, concept there, uh, and it was just, you know, for Las Vegas. It was like one play um, it just didn't happen in San Diego, and that was one of the one of the things that happened where they could have gotten in if they would have just taken care of business in the last two weeks of the season, but that just didn't happen. So it was interesting to see, um, you know, how that transpired in terms of the uh, Pacific Conference. We have San Diego. Uh, from what I hear right now, San Diego is obviously coachless. In other words, uh, the coaching staff that was in place for a couple seasons now is – no longer there, so it's kind of a rebuild mode for the rebellion coming into 2024. Don't know if that's going to be, you know, anything that we have to kind of like look out for, but I mean that's going to be an overall, and that's uh, I don't know how that will affect San Diego at this point. Utah with a new coaching staff, really impressive. Uh, the collapse of the Falcons in the last two seasons and the last two games of the season really wasn't what we used are used to seeing from them. And so, you know, interesting to see how that, that works in that sense. Um, so I'm going to see, let me see here. I think she's, I don't know if she's calling in or not. I asked her to call in. Uh, let me see if I can get her on the line here. Maybe she'll answer the phone. Or maybe she knows, maybe she forgot about us. Let's, hopefully she didn't forget about us. That's the case. Let's double check that. Let's go dial in a, See if Elizabeth Jenkins. See if we get her on the phone, uh, and see if she'll be on. Uh, interesting season for the WNFC because we have a lot of a, a couple teams that needed to do something different. So, sure. How are you? How are you? How's it going today? Good. Good. All right. So I was uh, just talking about how we have transition happening already. Since the season ended, uh, we have San Diego kind of in an overhaul for coaches, right? Uh, we have some teams obviously recruiting early now. The recruiting basically started right after the nine cup for the for the 2024 season. Um, Absolutely. So, give us. Can you give us like your overview of how the season went in terms of your perspective as president, like from beginning of the season to the end? And we had some. So we had some really good clashes: Kansas City, Denver, right? Uh, overtime. Really yeah, defensive yeah. battle. Yeah, the um, you know, I, I it was um another season we got through with no forfeits, which anytime we can get through a season with no forfeits is a, is a a success, right? It's a win for us. Um, the competition did increase across the board, right? Um, there were upsets this year. There were close match matchups this this year. The um, the competition overall really did increase. Um, and you know, I think that, you know, you mentioned recruiting starting and everybody hitting hot and heavy with some overhauls as far as coaching or administrative staff and, and you know, beefing up rosters and everything else. And it's just a testament to, like, how we're 
really handling operating our teams like businesses, right? It's a, it's a uh, 24-7, 365 business that you, there's, no, there's no off season. Um, so putting in the work and, and riding the momentum of any success that you had during the season, right? Um, doing your player interviews and really getting some feedback on what worked and what didn't work and things that need to change and um, making the adjustments that you need to make to come back bigger and stronger next year. So the the big question that we get uh, that we got before we got the interview when we said, well, hey, we're, we're going to interview the president, is are we losing any teams at this point? Are we picking or are we just evaluating the existing group of teams? We are, as of now, uh, we are not going to lose any teams for the 24 season. Um, we saw, even if some of the on-field stuff didn't show maybe as prominently as we would have wanted it to for a couple of different organizations, there's still some very good things happening behind the scenes. Um, Philly coming back with the same coaching staff, right, the, the same full coaching staff um, as they had this mm-hmm. year next year completely committed and, um, you know, building that organization up. So we're excited in what we saw last year with Philly um, or this past season. And so we're excited to see what they're going to do with uh, the same coaching staff and, um, you know, star really kind of transitioning from owner, player, coach, um, GM, everything, to really trying to just kind of stand in that owner administrative role. Now, Elizabeth, uh, some of the fans, uh, during the season, we get feedback on our page. We get, you know, information. Uh, us on the podcast, you know, between my group, we kind of discuss, you know, the ins and outs of week-to-week action, right, uh, as we're watching it on, on WScore and on Dance as well. Um, mm-hmm. the, the Atlantic was literally the weakest, probably the weakest division out of the whole league. So is that something that, you know, we're trying to address at – the league level, which is Florida, t- Tennessee, and Philly, as an example, because Atlanta and Washington were really, you know, the top two teams. But when it came to the playoffs, uh, I think they, you know, because of the weaker division, they obviously weren't as strong when, when we got to the playoffs as the Central Division or the Pacific, as an example. Yeah, you know, I think that there, that it's, it's so if we can look at that a couple different ways, right? Um, the Trojans coming in being a first-year franchise, right, obviously they're, they're going to <laughs> get thrown into the fire and, and welcome to the competition in the WNFC. And um, they, they have some things to figure out, right? They had some coaching changes early on and, um, you know, and, and they are, you know, they were one of the teams that even though they were a first-year team, still got a franchise win, right? Um, every team in the league got a win this year. Um, is that right? Yeah, I think every team in the league got a win this year. So um, yeah, that's that was correct. that was yeah, that was big for them. Um, you know, Florida. You know, Florida. I think has some 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 rebuilding to do as well. Like they, I don't know that they've they've found it yet. Um, but they're so strong on the administrative side, right? The the ownership group really has their stuff together there, and um, it's promising, right? So it's not anything that we're gonna shy away from but yet rally around and really try to support them in building the roster that, you know, we know that that area can support. Um, and and Philly, I think, is only going to keep getting stronger, you know. Um, and then the, the battle between Atlanta and Washington, you know, even the, the matchup between those two teams, right, but then you add in the Mississippi mix, 
whenever, and even Houston, right, whenever it came time for playoffs, um, those were some close games, right? So although, you know, the Atlantic ended up being, um, you know, not represented in the, in the nine cup, at the same time, there were some really tough matchups across division there. Those were very close games. Well, um, Elizabeth, uh, you know as well as anybody else, every team somehow this year, I was kind of nice to have, every team is basically uh, got their own swag. Everybody thought they were able to go, especially in the top in, in, the, in the Atlantic. Washington Atlanta really thought that they could compete, right, the, yep. in the playoffs, which was really nice to see because everybody had confidence, in other words. Coming in, we're not scared of Mississippi, right? We're not scared of of, uh, you know, all the Houston, the, the, the central division teams, basically, that they were doing really clashes. But I think that was nice to see, and even on, on a social platform, but also just in, in terms of the players, right, excited that, hey, we're not stepping down. This is, this is what we're here for. Yeah, no, I completely agree. There, there was a lot of confidence that came in there, and rightfully so, right? They're all tough teams. Um, they're, you know, they don't back down. They don't lay down. Um, they're not going to walk into any match thinking that they're just, you know, they're going to lay down and not, not even try for the win. I think that there were, again, I mean, even the early on matchup between Mississippi and Washington showed that there was, you know, tough competition there, right? That the, the two teams matched up fairly well later in the game. I think Mississippi started to very late in the game, right? Mississippi pulled away from it, uh, pulled away from them a little bit um, early on in the season, but it's um, rightfully so, right? I think Washington came in and, and, and had a hell of a run in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Um, you know, they just, you know, weren't able to, to get it done. But I think that they definitely um, showed why they deserve to be a playoff contender. All right. Uh, I'm going br- to bring in Mac here to kind of pick your brain because Mac was ousted in the WFA playoffs second round, which was great for her team. First year team. Then they went up against the OKC Lady Force, but really good matchup there. Um, so, Mac, uh, we got Elizabeth here talking WNFC 2023 successes. Hey, what's up, Dillo? How are you? Girl, I'm old and sore, and, you know, I just be out here doing too much sometimes. <laughs> oh, but, but, you know, I'm trying to get like you. Man, Listen, a great career, been... and now you're <laughs> – yeah, it was it was the first year that I didn't play, you know, and um, although there were a couple games that I, I suited up as, as, as a just-in-case-something-happened type situation with our, our center because we were a little bit low in the, on the depth chart there, but um, I, didn't, I didn't take the field, and it was um, my body loved me for it, let me tell you. My body loved me for it. I know the last time you and I had talked, you were uh, that last season that we had played um, – in the WNFC uh, circuit, you had said that you should, you probably should have just, you know, stopped midseason once you got, once that ankle started bothering you, but y'all yeah. finished it out and got the job done. So <laughs> I was like, yo, you look, you go, you and OJ know I love me some of y'all. So y'all Absolutely. are two of my favorite people. But um, just, a, just a couple questions. So as far as 2023 season, you know, I, you know, we're all wrapping up here as far as both, well, all three leagues. But as far as the WNFC, what do you take away from this season? Like, what are some good things? What are some bad things? What's something you'd like to see improve across the board as far as the league in general? 
Yeah. Um, so I, I think I can start with some good first, right? I think from a content standpoint, um, we we absolutely crushed it across the league, not just at the league level, but every team in the league really, um, you know, content was crazy this year. We were able to put out really attractive, um, marketable content, and, and that's always a good thing to do. So I think that we really took a step up there, which that's a good step up to take, right? Our social media growth is absolutely insane right now. Um, we are literally um, growing. At, at one point, I, we couldn't even keep up. It was like a thousand a day, right? Um, which is is amazing because we say all the time we have to be able to to bust through the women's football bubble. You know, we got to get mm-hmm. people who yep. don't know about us are the eyes that we need on us, right? Not the people that know about us. Um, so anyway, I think marketing, I think across the board, and then the competition level, right? You know, despite the the score and and the the, the finale, right? We we obviously had, um, I think anticipated, um, you know, a better matchup, um, but I don't think it was for a lack of that team being a good matchup. I think it was just, you know, they came in and and you know, I I, I don't want to say it this way, but I'm going to say it this way. Maybe the lights were just too bright right, being on that stage for the first time and in a position where there was a very, very strong, primed, prepared, ready, focused Texas Elite Spartan team that's been there on, you know, many occasions. So they were ready for that moment. Um, But that's not to take anything away from Mississippi and those athletes. Um, So I think from a competition level across the board, you know, um, was, 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 better this year than last year, which is good, right, seeing growth there. Um, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, as far as the the what I think didn't go well, th- this was a tough year for business. And I don't mean like, you know, sure. our business or – it was a tough year for business in general, right? If you're an entrepreneur, if you're a business owner, you know, some of the, the biggest corporations in, in the world struggled this year financially because of the economic downturn and, you know, inflation and travel costs were outrageous. And, you know, so it just, and, and everybody, the gravity of what everybody was going through on every level, right? Whether it was team owner, league owner, athletes, right? Like everybody had some stuff going on because it was just a tough year. Um, so I think that, you know, that where we have, you know, little control over what kind of we're, what we're faced with in that respect, at the same time, we made it through and we made it through in a very successful season again. So I think overall, I have nothing but positive. You know, we're leaving in a situation where we don't have a bottom two scenario that we're looking to cut from the league. We're standing pretty good. We're entertaining some, you know, uh, potential new franchise requests for the 25 season. Um, so it's business is good. Right on. See, and it, it's always good to be able to find those different types of takeaways, you know, whether the, the economy is super great or if we're in a situation right now where the economy is just slowly and barely trickling, trying mm-hmm. to, you know, make its way back to what we are used to. So that's, I mean, it's always, it's always good to find the good and bad and be able to, you know, find those takeaways to improve, even if it was good. So I love Absolutely. to hear it. You know, I'd be, I'd be, you know, I'd be stalking y'all. So <laughs> I see what's going on. I see the marketing, you know, so 
And it's in the marketing, I think, across the board, as far as all the other leagues, including the WNFC, you can tell are starting, like, people don't understand that social media is what drives things these days. Like, people are going to social media for stuff. Instagram, TikTok, you know, hearsay, and kind of just like you said earlier, is that the um, we need the people that don't know what we're about as far as women's football mm-hmm. in the sport. Not the people mm-hmm. that speak. It's, it's word of mouth. It's, Absolutely. oh, did you see this reel? Did you see this hit? Did you know? Did you see those things that people are looking at as far as that's not on ESPN yet? Yeah. I said yet. <laughs> because yeah. it's going to happen. People just don't, oh, yeah. You, you know, yeah, you, I mean, you've got to put it, in the work. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, you know, when you start realizing that you're marketing a sports brand, right, I think that's the, that's where, like, when you, ultimately going back to the roots of what you're doing here, that this is a business, right? And, and they're, marketing a sports brand um, is very different than marketing, marketing a, a rec team or marketing a, a family business, right? Like, so you, mm-hmm. you have to keep that in mind because you, you are trying to attract fans that aren't related to the game, right? That aren't related to your your um, you know your your consumer base. So it's um, it's definitely a very key point, a very key focus for us um, in how we're going to continue to accelerate the visibility and the equity and the you know sponsorship and the funding of this sport. Absolutely, absolutely. I think the only other thing that I have to ask from you or of you, Dillo, is what would you say to people that are just now starting out a team or a franchise, you know, and they, they you know, they see the teams in leagues like the WNFC and the Spartans, you know, and all those long-lasting teams in both both leagues. What type of advice would you give to somebody who's, you know, looking to follow in those footsteps as far yeah. as getting the word out there and getting their franchise out there? What would you say yeah. personally? It's a really, really good question. I think the, the biggest advice that I can give is understanding that there, you can't take days off from this brand, right? So when you come out, um, be very intentional with the launch of your brand, the launch of your team, your branding. All of that stuff matters, right? So don't come out with, you know, your branding that's not buttoned up all the way. Don't come out putting, you know, subpar. Don't post just the post. Make sure your posts are, you know, quality posts, Um Make sure that the story that you're telling is one that's representing your brand, right, your business, um, and constantly feeding into that. Like, you have to be relentless. When you look back at when the Spartans started in 2018 to where they are now, it's so crazy. Because we go back and look at the pictures and stuff, and we just thought, like, back then, like, oh, we were doing <laughs> We were doing big right, things. We were killing it. So, right, yeah, we, were, we were, it. were. We were killing it in every way. And we go back and look now, and I like, I cringe, and I'm like, oh my goodness, you know. But it's just a testament to how we 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 don't settle, right? We are constantly elevating. We're constantly raising the bar, and um, you know, raising the standard in the sport. Like that, the the very real thing is. There's a bar and there's a standard, and we know that we're setting that standard, not just Texas Elite, but the WNSC, and that it, it's not just us that are benefiting of it, right? We're driving the entire sport forward. 
So if we can really be a blueprint for other, you know, brands and other teams to benefit from, if I would say anything, pick a team that you see is successful and start doing what you know that team is doing, right? Like you want to, you want to, you got to, you can't just talk the talk, right? You've got to, the message that you're sending out matters. The way you look matters. The way you respond matters. All of these things matter. Um, and then just be, be relentless in your goals because I tell you what, Mac, it's not easy, right? Like it's not easy. You want to be able to take those days off. You want to be able to not answer your phone. You want to be able to put your phone down and not look at your six different email accounts. But the reality is you can't do that, right? Um, Right. And OJ and I have conversations about it all the time about like how just like crazy driven we are to ultimately see this thing succeed um, that, you know, we, in some cases, have to, like, remember to stop and smell the flowers sometimes and, and recognize how far we have come because in a very short amount of time, we've come a very, very long way. Um, but we're not, we're not stopping, you know. We, we got to keep, we got to keep pushing forward because we're not there yet. Absolutely. You know, we're not there yet until yeah. women first don't have to pay like let's start there right that's ultimately the goal yep. let's get it to a place yep. where the women do not have to pay to play and then we can start talking about right compensating and getting teams to positions where they can compensate their athletes right but those have to be equitable teams right they have to be revenue generating teams in order to compensate athletes so it's a process and and we have a blueprint we have a plan um and it's working uh but we're not there yet so we can't stop yet Absolutely. Sheesh. Absolutely. And I think the short <laughs> over of that would be don't talk about it, be about it. You know, Amen. don't say you're going to do it, but just say put, put them to actions, you know, into, into fruition. So yeah. I absolutely get it. Um, yeah. Being an athlete and going on, I think now going on your is, 15, I feel it. I was, I was, gonna, I was just going to add to what you were saying there and, and don't talk about it, be about it. But also when you have the initial desire to start it, and you've sold yourself on your, you know, you've convinced yourself that this is what I'm going to do. You have to remember that. And you have to remember that why and let that why continue to fuel you or allow that why to evolve so that can continue to fuel what you're doing. Because unfortunately what's happening too much in this sport is people starting teams and those teams going by the wayside in a matter of a year, you know, 18 months, two years max. And, and that's just, it's a lot of wasted resources. It's a lot of wasted time. It's a lot of wasted energy. It's a lot of wasted money. Um, so just, you know, when, you, when you've made up your mind that you want to do it, remember why you want to do it and, and make sure the why is aligned with your purpose and your mission and, and you have a lifestyle that you can support that purpose and that mission and, and starting up that team. Absolutely. Oh, Dillo, girl. <laughs> I love it. Hey, thank you so much for coming on the pod today. You know, I love to pick y'all's brains. Um, if Oscar has anything he can add in, but I'm done picking your brain for now, girl. Thank you so much. <laughs> no problem, Mac. All right, Mac. Good job, Mac. Everything that was going to dive into, you dove into, so really awesome. Um, Elizabeth, uh, 2024, uh, I know the recruiting started. 
So, you know, for the fans that listen to us and obviously understand what the WNFC is about over the, you know, five years now, um, the recruiting is crucial because I've talked to a lot of coaches even during the season. They were saying how, you know, things have, like you said, business-minded sense, right? Because no different in the NFL or the XFL or, you know, arena football as an example, everybody, like you said, there's no off season. So is that the, the, the drive for each franchise now, not just from the league, but like you said, each individual owner has to have that, that drive as Absolutely. because it is your business now. Absolutely. Yeah. You, it's time to build, right? It's time to build. I think it starts with understanding where you're currently at. And sometimes it takes diving into um really, truly allowing your team and all the members of your team, your players, your coaches, your staff to give feedback, right? We encourage all of our teams at the end of every year, um, probably damn near going to be requiring it here very soon, right? Because there's a certain level of transparency and, and that's needed and also feedback that's needed in order to continue to grow a successful organization, right? Especially when you're in the business that's still at a semi-professional state and you have athletes that have to pay to be in that business, right? So because you're still in this state, their feedback is very critical. Understanding where you can improve is very, oh, and or what you're doing very well, right? Sometimes you think the stuff you're doing well, you realize that you might be missing still and other things where you thought you're missing, you're excelling at. So um, taking the time to get that feedback from their existing team and start to really understand, okay, where am I going to have gaps and holes at next year as a team, right? Do I need another GM? Is it time for me to add to my, you know, admin staff? You know, I say it all the time. I, I, I preach this to the, the owners and GMs in the league, but the success of the Texas Elite Spartans is only about 10% of what we do on the field and about 90% of what we do off the field. We manage this team, this organization, like a professional team, right? This is a business. Um, and uh, we are we we take a lot of pride in running this like a business. Um, and it's you know where I think we're we're still getting there across the board, right? I think I think teams are still adapting to understanding what that looks and feels like, and maybe even some of the conversations that means that you have to have. Um, but yes, yeah, so identify your gaps and then go and start recruiting, you know, and and hit it hard. Um, and for those fans that are listening that are interested in, in checking out a WNFC team this year or you'd like to be uh, scouted by a WNFC team, you go to our Instagram, WNFC Football. The link's in the bio. There's a Join the League link, and it uh, um, takes you to uh, the website, and there's a form submission, and that goes to every single one of the um, team owners. Um, and, and they are at liberty then to reach out to you and, and start some discussions. National right. tryout so we, is a thing. It's happening. You know, I, I believe it's going to be the first weekend in August, I believe 10-6 or 10-7, if I'm remembering mm-hmm. offhand. Um, you know, formal dates are going to start coming out for that very soon. But National Tryout Day is happening again. National Signing Day will be happening again. And, uh, you know, we're going to look to carry on these 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 um, events that lead up to the success that we've been having in the season. Yeah, and that's that's I think the 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 difference between a serious organization, like you said, there's plenty of women's tackle football leagues that spring up, but none of them have the tenure or the longevity of a certain pro look or a you know, entrepreneur mentality. So anybody yep. can you know anybody can do YMCA, 
That's what I say all yep. the time. You know, recreational. Anybody can do YMCA. It's it's yep. it's reality about like you said. We're not even into payroll stage, right? The okay. next stage is a payroll stage. And so if you think about business in reality, right, you're not even – if you think this is a headache, you're not even there yet because once you right. get to the payroll stage, it's <laughs> more, more money, of more like you know, now, we're dealing with, now we're dealing with money and contracts and, and third-party yep. individuals, right? We're not even there yet. Uh, the, yep. the luxury that the NFL has, you know, the NBA and the WNBA and all these teams do. So um, that's what, you know, like you said, you know, the, the equity part of it, which is – the business owners part of it, which is they have to understand, are you in for the long haul or is this something you're just not going to you know, want to do at all? Yeah. Uh, I think that's where we've set the, the benchmark in terms of fans. Uh, the admiration for one league is always that way, right? How do they run the organization? People admire the NFL for what? Not for the, like you said, the 10% product on the field, right? They admire the NFL for what? The marketing, the yeah. logistics uh, outside of the uh, gridiron field, right? Because that all works yep. together in conjunction, right? All, all the people that it takes. It's an entertainment to business, the event. right? Yeah, the event. Yeah, the yeah. Put together the event. all the time. You know, this is an entertainment business, and and you have to understand that when you're when you're as you're building, you have to understand that, um, and and that's why there's you know <laughs> things can't be as. Um, as black and white as people would like them to be sometimes because there's this element of this that's outside of it being a sports league, right? Mm-hmm. It is a sports league, but we are an entertainment company. Um, and, and we are establishing ourselves as one of the fastest growing sports entertainment companies out there. Um, and it's exciting. It is. It's exciting. And, and we are very excited with what 2024 you know, has to offer. We're going to we're going to have some big announcements coming up here, uh, just over the next couple of months. Um, even if that long, it, it might even be a matter of three to four weeks. Um, you know, so the the future is um, is very exciting, um, and and you can, as always, expect that we are only going to continue to step our game up, um, and and continue to bring the the resources and the sponsors and and the investors into women's football. Yeah, and, that, and that, that's why I want to bring you on because, uh, you know, we get the perspective from the outside, but we are obviously wanting the feedback from the inside. So we're, I really appreciate you making the time. I know you're busy always, and it's always nice Absolutely. to touch base with you. And so give the perspective for our audience, you know, the people that follow the sport uh, on our pages and our platforms, the, the, the reality check, right, of where the WNFC truly is and what the yeah. future will look like for the WNFC, and then folks can understand, right, some of the obstacles, some of the, uh, the pluses and successes, and ultimately, yeah. you know, how everybody uh, in terms of, if you're listening to us, how each of these, uh, you know, fans that would be would becoming fans want to dive into each franchise, right, local franchise, support the franchise, uh, get on board, volunteer for the franchise. If you really appreciate, uh, like I told every, everybody before, um, uh, Dillo, a couple podcasts ago, this this uh, journey is at a high school level right now, right? Because yep. the league is literally at a four-year stance. It's a turnover every two years, right? Can you yep. keep it glued four years, right, to become impactful? And I think once uh, the coaching staff or the recruitment mentality of a coach, uh, if you're a high school coach coming into the WNFC, this environment works for you. You know why? Because that's what the change is in high school. You know, four-year four year commitment, 
you might have a good good player for two seasons, three seasons, and then all of a sudden life changes for them, and then you got to get an influx of new talent coming in. So you're always maneuvering, right, is the word. You're always maneuvering Absolutely. to acquire the next, next available talent. Yeah, I, and I, I commented on something. There was a post out there, you know, and I don't even remember the topic now, but it had something to do with um, the state of the game, maybe even playing more games. I'm not sure, but the reality is, you know, we have an athlete attrition problem for the most part, right? Um, and it's for yeah. that reason, right? Life, life gets in the way for women's football because right now it's not funded. Um, right now we can't, you know, the, the, the teams are not at a point where they can actually compensate players. So if you're in that position now where everything is a, you know, pay to play or even you're just, you know, you're not even being compensated for your time, you're having to do things and or sacrifice working a shift or you're going to need an extra babysitter so it's going to cost you more money, right? Like so we are almost at a disadvantage at, as female football players to play the sport that we love, right? Because yep. you're disadvantaging yep. yourself in most cases, right? Um, missing yep. out on all the family events. Like I, I, it's one of the things I think, and I don't regret, um, I don't regret any of my time in women's football, um, but – after losing my mom, you know, she always, she would always be so bummed when I couldn't make some of the family events, right? And it was one of those things that yep. it was like, I, if I had a chance to do it all over again, you know, knowing that I was going to lose my mom so early in life, would I go back and, and maybe sacrifice a game um, and, instead of the family barbecue that weekend? Um, but th- that's the reality. Those are the choices that we make, right? Um, and I think that for that reason and for a lot of other reasons, for all the sacrifices of the thousands of women that came before, you know, Odessa and I and the, you know, tens and hundreds of leagues and, you know, all of this stuff, like we owe this sport a lot because this sport has given us so much. But at the same yeah. time, we owe the women in this sport so much. But you have to be very careful with that because the women in this sport are starting to get this, you know, sort of, feeling of what the sport owes them, not understanding where the sport is or isn't yet, right? Um, so we have to, there, there, we feel like we're doing it the right way, right? I'm sure it's not perfect, but we feel like we've got a model that's going to work to eventually turn this on its head, right, to where women no longer have to pay to play and eventually can be compensated to play. But it's going to take some time, and it's going to take, the hundreds of women that came before us to still, to your point, get involved, stay involved, invest in a local franchise. If you still have that passion, if you're still passionate about that sport, you know, for those people out there thinking, oh, I could run a team, you know, maybe just reach out to the existing owners of the team and see, I, I, I bet you they're like, I would sit down and listen and how you could get involved if you're willing to, you know, put up some resources to help because, the, there's a lack of resources. So we all need to come together to figure out how to continue to move this thing forward. So for the women in the sport that are leaving the sport, don't leave the sport. Don't leave it all the way. You know, if your time on the field is finished, if your time coaching is finished and you're done sacrificing your time or your whatever in that way, still find a way to stay involved, right? Because as of right now, we're the ones continuing to drive this thing forward, the women in the sport. Yeah, that's a good key point, you know, uh, go into coaching, go into mentoring, right? Go into yep. assisting for day, the, the day events, right? Setting up the events uh-huh. for the event. You understand how the process works. It becomes more of a leadership role that way. 
Yeah. Yep. Um, so, Dillo, congratulations, you guys. Uh, Dance, uh, W Score. Um, you know, we, we obviously uh, admired all that, um, including the the Nine Cup. You know, the events on the weekends of the Nine Cup, and I know that takes a lot of labor in as well, where people understand. You know, that's a spectacle. Uh, but at the same time, it is a necessary spectacle, right? It's like it draws attention, yep. it brings people in, and things like that. So, uh, looking yeah. forward to see how the 2024 recruiting season goes, uh, and also yep. looking forward to see how the Atlantic Division will impact 2024. We already know yep. the Central was very impactful. The Pacific has always been the cornerstone of the WNFC every year, so we know we know what those teams are bringing. You know, competitive football every year. Um, so, yep. looking forward to see what the Atlantic will showcase in terms of 2024 in the WNFC. So I really appreciate your time. I know you're busy, Thank like you. I said, right? and uh, looking forward to the 2024 recruitment. We'll be following it, sharing, and doing everything on our platforms as well. So I uh, appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you, Oscar. Talk to you soon. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. All right. So, guys, uh went a little longer than expected, but we did get – the WNFC president in the house, and unfortunately, uh, things happen like that sometimes. You know, we schedule something, and then she's got something coming up. So we're going to dive into the ne- Nebraska Pride right now, and that will be uh, coaches Nancy Javel Mayer and Jen Harakawa. Um, we're going to dive into them right now, and so let's dive into here. Uh, Coach uh, Nancy, are you on? Coach Jen? Yep, we're both here, uh, sitting here together. All right, so I, I I apologize for the delay. Uh, there was just something that came up with Elizabeth's uh, interview there and uh, the time frame, but hopefully uh, you guys can stay a, a couple more minutes longer. We would appreciate that. Um, but, uh, Coach Nancy, uh, what a uh, successful season for you, inaugural season, playoff run. I mean, that normally doesn't happen with, with the one-year team. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're, we're pretty happy about uh, where we ended up this year. Um, obviously the, the goal is always to be in the game that's happening this weekend, but, uh, definitely a good start for a team that we put together in February. Now, uh, coach Nancy, you've been a, you've been a part of Nebraska football for many of years. So is this something that, you know, we have teams come and go, basically we had the Nighthawks, we've had the crush, various teams in terms of the Nebraska area. Um, what what do you say about, you know, fans that want to dive into the pride? Is this long-term? Is this going to be like, uh, you know, Elizabeth was talking about, is this a committable organization that, that plans to stick around for the Nebraska fans? Yes. Um, so there there has been a lot of up and downs in between Nebraska and Iowa for football uh, with women with the women's game. Uh, I've been a part – I was a part of the team in Iowa, uh, the crush for a very long time. Uh, then I um, helped with the Phoenix for a year, started that out, got them going, and then ended up over in Nebraska and have been there for the last couple of years, um, kind of on and off. Um, they always brought me in a little late uh, when they needed some help. So um, the Nebraska Pride is here to stay, and we are building, and and it's not going anywhere. Now, what do you credit uh, the recruitment part? Is it, is, it re- is it a recruiting issue? Because I know in some regions that we, when we talk about other, with other coaches and other owners, it is truly a recruitment, right? Like it becomes a recruitment where you can't get certain athletes or things like that, where you can't roster a, a you know a forty plus 
man roster squad. Is is that something of a reality right now in terms of that region? No, I think it's I think it's definitely been uh, that's people out there that want to play. Uh, I think it's been some management structure and uh, just not having a solid business plan or the ability to keep with it uh, when there is a plan. Uh, I think that there are a lot of women that want to play, but they want transparency and openness and just the opportunity to show up and play, get part of something that's positive. And I think that that's that's definitely definitely where it's an obstacle in itself too, because a lot of times can those players commit, right? Because to sustain a 40 man roster through the, through a season sometimes is so tough, right? It narrows it down to 25 to 30. And now you're really trying to like figure out how practices are going to go and things like that. So um, let's go back to successes. So you start the team coach, uh, the off season worked out. You got the roster at the beginning. And I know we have a coach, uh, Jen Harakawa here as well. Um, So between the two of you, you know, did you see, did you envision this team into a playoff mode at the beginning of the season? Yes, absolutely. We uh, we started with a solid group. Uh, we took them and we helped them improve and grow as athletes and helped make them into football players. And, you know, we ended the season with 37 players still on the roster. That's pretty impressive. 37 players on a roster, that's like unheard of. Because normally in the WFA, you know, unless you're a real, real heavy depth team, you're lucky if you're going to get like 25 <laughs> even 30 sometimes. Yeah, and that's, you know, I've I've been a part of plenty of teams that experience that, as has uh, Coach Kawa here, and um, that's that's not what we're trying to build. We've both been through the ringer with uh, women's football, and uh, we've seen how it shouldn't be done, and so we're building something that's done right and how it should be. And that's, you know, the focus is on the players. Well, that makes sense. Um, Coach Jen, can you speak to us about the the quarterback, uh, your running back, really, really impressive seasons, SM Bell, uh, Essence Bell, we already know what she's all about, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, playing football and a couple seasons in the WFA with other teams. But, you know, Nicole and Tiffany, uh, how they were impactful in, in the season. Well, um, Coach Nancy is the offensive coordinator and runs the offense. I run the defense. And uh, Essence Bell actually came over with me from Iowa. Uh, we all came together uh, to join the the Nebraska team. But I think it would be better for uh, Coach Nancy to talk about the offensive uh, starting starters. Coach Nancy, can you speak to uh, Nicole's body of work and Tiffany and the contributions uh, during the season and then the playoff to get you to the playoffs? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Tiff, Tiff definitely had a breakout season. You know, she's always, she's always had um, that, uh, you know, knack of getting the ball and knowing what to do with it. And I think this year we had – an amazing offensive line that opened up a lot for her um, to really blossom and, like, go into that. And, you know, unfortunately she suffered an injury um, but recovered from that and came back out and helped us um, late in the season with our playoff run. 
Uh, so I can't say enough great things about Tiff and just her ability as a player and her vision as a player. Um, Nicole Skolnick, uh, you know, again, just her drive to uh, compete and, you know, again, I'll credit the O-line with giving her time in the pocket to really, you know, be able to see the field. And, you know, she really started to uh, dig into film and the playbook and being able to make those reads and find the receivers and, you know, had a great receiving core. We had, you know, six receivers uh, playing three on the field most of the time and, you know, when you can start to create that chemistry with your players, it really makes a big difference. Yeah, it was impressive. Uh, Mika Richards, also very impressive on the season. You had uh, Aaron Marty, right, and then Olivia uh, Happel as well. Um, can you talk about Mac? Because we, we can't let you go without talking about Mac because she'll get no, salty. Don't you know do what that. I mean? Uh, uh, let, let me take over for Mac. Oh, boy. So I've known, I've known Mac many years through playing football. And, you know, she's a solid athlete. She's always been a solid athlete. She's got a positive attitude. She, she comes wanting to play, wanting to play hard. The nice thing is is that we'll have her through this rebuilding season as we, as we settle in and start football. You know, listening to you talk to Elizabeth reminded us, again, that we are, we are on the right path. Football is a 365-day-a-year sport. Yeah, we're getting a couple weeks off since our uh, playoff game, but we start going back again in August because we got to get ready for the next season. It's, it's not just a, oh, it's January, it's February, let's start getting ready for football. Um, Taylor and Mac are working together to, to do, keep their workouts and keep themselves honest and accountable as are other players on the team. They've partnered up individually to get that, that drive going before uh, August when we, when, we get, when we come back together as a team. Yeah, and I know she was contributing a lot, and I know she was going through a lot this season. And, uh, you know, she's obviously a pro of pros, so, uh, you know, can't say enough about the Salty One this season as well. So, um, Coach Jen, do you have any words for the Salty One? Because because Nancy just said yeah, it all. Be, be ready for me. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> oh my God. No, Mac. Mac knows what I'm all about, and uh, we are all about working out, learning the playbook, and then uh, going through the crawl, crawl, walk, run stage. <sighs> yeah coach you know I'm just glad that we were able to get off like you know have the ending to the season that we've all talked about this entire time you know both backgrounds of teams that actually were able to come together and create this mad powerhouse that we have it has been awesome to watch you know awesome to watch Um, it's going to be even better next year because nobody's going to expect us to do the same thing but next year we're going to the chip I don't care what nobody says it's happening. So people better be ready. Like, ironically, I'm standing stand down here in my mom's basement doing aerobics and doing this podcast at the same time. See, I can't. Yeah, we already knew. We already knew you were doing something. You <laughs> hear it in your place. And she's probably wow, eating, I'm too. down here dying. Exactly. Oh, Where's the question? 
All right, fine. Here. So I guess this one would be for the is more or less for the both of you. What I'm not gonna say negative takeaways because you can always weigh the negatives and positive positives. But for your perspective, coaching position, offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator, what is what together is the one thing that you guys think both sides of the ball, as far as our team and our athletes, need to work on the most to propel us from where we ended this season going into next season. Okay, Mac, do some push-ups while we think about that. I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, uh, I think it's just, you know. Tying up loose ends. Yeah, putting it all together. You know, we, we put a lot together this year um, in a very short amount of time. And um, we had to skip out on some fundamentals because we had such a short amount of time. Now we're now we've got the time to hit all those fundamentals, restructure them, build the center, so the center's not weak. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing that a lot of players in women's football lack is you know really digging into football and learning about football. Let me clarify um, that she's talking about football IQ, <laughs> not not general everyday IQ, just knowledge of the game, knowledge of the ins and outs of the game, knowledge of the why fours. Why did we do this versus this? Why did they zig instead of zag? That's that's what Coach Nancy's talking about. Yeah, and I and I think a lot of that is going to be exposed and helped with when you know we we get this youth girls league rolling this fall, and players can take that role of a coach and. Um, you know, it's a whole different perspective when you go from a player to a coach and you're actually the one doing the teaching. Uh, you actually have to, you know, know those whys, and I think that's going to be huge for our players. Yeah, I can I can agree. Definitely just tying up the loose ends and putting it all together. I think and part of that comes back on us as players. You know, we can use the, we didn't, you know, we didn't have enough time type thing, but now we do. Like, now we don't have an excuse. We have all the time in the world until next season to get it together, and it starts with the players. So you guys are absolutely right. I think the only other thing that I would ask from the both of you, rather, is what do you think the both of you guys as coaches can work on? Uh, well, you know, uh, one of the things that we have done is uh, end of year – kind of feedback. Um, and so we're, we're getting feedback from all the players um, for us as coaches. And there's one for the administrative side for uh, Danielle. Uh, who's, gotten a lot more, who's gotten a lot more positive feedback than us coaches, by the way. Um, so maybe I'll be the salty one. But, uh, no, uh, side note, Danielle's done an amazing, fantastic job on the admin side of things. But um, as coaches, I think, you know, we, I think Cow and I work really well together. Um, you know, her strengths are some of my weaknesses, and my strengths are some of her weaknesses. And so I think her and I are going to spend a lot of time this off season really trying to balance each, balance it, each other out even more, and you know, look at the feedback and grow from what we've learned from the players, and really take time to make sure that we are even more so on the same page than we were this last year when we had you know, yeah, two, I mean, two months before the game to get <laughs> right. on the same page. Well, and, you know, <clears throat> the other nice thing about this, and, uh, you know, as far as coaching goes, Nancy and I are the only female coordinators, both offensive and defense, and the only female head coach 
in all the leagues. In all the leagues combined, they do not have an entirely female head coach, offensive coordinator, and defensive coordinator that have also each each other have spent over 15 years as players in different leagues. I was going to say, that, that was the the weird stat, yeah, that y'all came up that y'all had told us. I'm like, and I, I literally had to say that. I'm like, no, that, that, that is the only, like, female, you know, female pairing of coaches and coordinators that are both females on the same team, you know, not in different years, but, like, the same team simultaneously. So that's crazy. Woo! I love that. Um, more of a successful, no. more of a successful credit to their overall body of work for the season. See what I'm saying? That's that's speaks volumes. Oh, yeah. August is going to be interesting. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. Uh, <laughs> and I'm not ready, but I will be. You better get ready, and you better tell everybody else to be ready because uh, when this boot camp hits, it's going to be another uh, whole another game. I go back into drill sergeant mode. Yay. Yay. Coach, Coach, Coach Nancy, Nancy becomes salty? Wow. We thought we had <laughs> yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. All right. Um, uh, Coach Nancy and Coach Jen, uh, 2024, August recruiting starts. So if you need any support, uh, where can the fans or interested individuals go onto your social pages and where can they get a hold of you guys to get the process started? Um, they've got, we've got a interested player form, uh, on our Facebook page. Um, it should also be getting onto our website soon. Uh, if you look up Nebraska pride football, you'll find any of our social media outlets, um, or our website. So, um, a lot of that stuff we're working on getting updated and rolling strong here soon because, you know, marketing is is big and um i think we've already gotten a pretty strong following in the nebraska area but we're just going to keep pushing it and you know feet on the ground full throttle yeah i know i i think that's the the key because you guys are in that midsection of the wfa where you guys are going to compete once again with okc right going to compete with the minnesotas uh even st louis is if, if if anything right so uh the schedule the schedule for you guys for 2024 it's kind of will be kind of interesting for us to see who will be your, your matchups because I think this year was really competitive in terms of uh, versus Minnesota and then obviously against OKC which is basically a, a main rival for you guys in a lot of ways. Yep, we're we're hoping for uh, Minnesota. We're hoping for the Slam. Uh, we're hoping for Mile High. Um, you know, OKC's a probably pretty much a guarantee. But we, we want to play those challenging games. We want to play the, the tough competition because that's only going to make us better and help us grow. So Yeah, we're it was an awesome we're season. Gonna... It was an awesome season for you guys to make the playoffs. Uh, I think, you know, this was kind of like the, the arrival stage for you guys. You're one, impressive. And like you said, now you'll have more time to kind of like work on fundamentals, as Coach Jen said here. We're just only going to make the line better, right? It's going to make everybody function better right absolutely um you know nothing nothing works without fundamentals and you know the 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 players that get out there and go oh i just want to do this i just want to do that but the but the champions are always going back to the basics and always going back to fundamentals because fundamentals is what got them there yeah if you want to be a boston uh monsters of the east coast 
uh, you've got to be a monster on the fundamentals, too. you got to be able to be very good on the fundamentals. So, uh, Coach Nancy, Coach Jen, uh, thank you for coming in, giving us perspective on your uh, squad. Successful 2023 season for you guys. Awesome playoff run there against OKC. Uh, so we are expecting a lot of big things to happen in Nebraska in 2024. Well, thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Thanks for Have coming a great night, on, guys. Y'all. Enjoy it. <laughs> Good night. All right, guys. Uh, Nebraska Pride football right there. Check it out. Nebraska Pride on social media as well, uh, IG and uh, Facebook. And so they're going to be ready and revving for 2024. Looking forward to clashes with Minnesota, as Coach Nancy said, looking for clashes against Mall High maybe on the schedule, St. Louis on the schedule. So, you know, they, they want the best competition. They don't want to get to the end of the, the season and, and, you know, face two tough matches. They want to be able to face tough matches, you know, within the, within the six-week or eight-week season. So pretty impressive there. Uh, let's bring in uh, Mark Simone into the conversation here as we're going to dive into the WFA National Finals, and uh, we're going to dive in closely to every team in the realm of the WFA National Championship. So, Mark, um, no strangers here. The salty one returns, so don't be scared. Can you hear me, Mark? Mackenzie, are you there? I'm still here. Uh, The salty one is still on. And, and let me see. If, let me see. Let me see if Mark is on. Cause I think I had him on. Mark, are you on? I have him on, but he's. I. I don't know if he's on the line or not. Uh, so uh, Mac, let's start. He'll probably uh, chime in because I have him on, but I don't know if something wrong with the switchboard at this point. So let's start, Mac. Um, we got Boston, St. Louis. This is the dream matchup at the beginning of the season that we wanted, and we have arrived, and we do get the dream matchup. For the record, y'all laughed at me when I said this matchup was going to happen. What happened? The matchup happened. So, ha! Okay. But, realistically, this is literally the league's perfect matchup as far as two powerhouse teams. Um, even with St. Louis taking that year or two off and still being able to come back and retain its title two, you know, two years after the fact that they had to take COVID season off. And, well, <laughs> Boston, well, Boston is Boston, so... We all, we, everybody knows what they're about, um, and I am going to make a very unpopular opinion, as I always do, and I'm taking the St. Louis Slam by 14 points. Um, I, they're just, they're unstoppable. Well, I mean, and I'm you. not going to say unstoppable, but they, 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 they are. Taylor They are, first of all, Taylor Hayes, my girl. Don't do that. <laughs> um, but on a, on a real note, the St. Louis Slam have, have over and over proved themselves to the league, and they've either, you know, come up a little bit short or something has happened, but now they're here. They're in the national championship conversation. They are that other team that people need to be concerned about. Boston has held the title in the reins for a very, very, very long time, and that's obviously no knock on them. Teams want to be in that situation, Um, and I think also people want to see a new reigning champion. Like I said, with that being said, I'm taking St. Louis by 14, um, and realistically it's more or less going to be more like seven, but just to give a cushion, I'm going to take the St. Louis slam by 14. I, I just – I don't see anything stopping Taylor Hay and that entire team. It's just – it's like oh, – it's like assassins on one side, and then you have Boston. There's assassins over there, and it's like back and forth. It's, it's going to be a fireworks show. 
Um, I think the key to it is going to be which which defense is going to stop which offense, like which defense is going to want it more, which offense is going to to expose the other the other side's defense. It, it's going to be those little things. It's going to be like Coach K and Coach Nancy just said, which team is going to to exemplify those fundamentals the best because the fundamentals at the end of the day is what's going to get you to that goal of getting that ring. All right. So, Mac, I'm challenging you right now. The international committee – is a pain in the ass to stop. So you're going to Kusinen, Falkowski, Mata, big challenge. Oh, That's all I'm Mata. saying to you right now. Ah, big Mata. challenge. Yes. You're, you're not wrong, but I'm still, I'm still going with the St. Louis Slam. Not because I'm a Midwestern homer or anything. Okay, I am. But I just don't I, – I think, I think St. Louis is going to come out and shock people. I mean, it's not going to be shocking to those of us in the Midwest because we're used to seeing them – you know, run the the type of ball that they do, um, and people are so used to kind of having that Eastern Conference, that like Eastern Region rivalry, where the Midwest is like people don't realize like those Midwestern teams are coming up. So, and who better to invite Boston to their first loss than the St. Louis Slam? Well, Mackenzie, that is a debatable thing because. The backseat coach understands that that's probably not going to happen because he's on the he's on the bandwagon for you. One more well, title, one more title is what he him. wants. One I more love, title. I love that for him. Too bad he doesn't play anymore. Um, and if he did, he would get chucked by me. But it is what it is. I love me for the coach, Steve. That's my guy. I would get chucked by anybody. Anybody who plays <laughs> plays football would chuck me. <laughs> Because I'm not a player that's like why, that, man. That's why I'm he's in the backseat. He's in the backseat coach. Exactly. He's not the front guy. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. No, I'm not Look, in the front. Coach, coach T, the guru, okay, the backseat coach, all three of you can get trucked. But I'm taking the St. Louis Slam, okay? <laughs> that's what it is. Well, you know, I, I, Mac, let me, let me. Mac, the reality is, the reality is, uh, Taylor Hay even said it last podcast. You know what she said? It's exactly what you said. We have been preparing for Boston since January. So she's, this is the moment for her. You know what I mean? Don't play, don't play with my girl. Don't play with my girl. I'm telling you, she's coming. Like, dead, like, <laughs> I don't understand. Ah, I love this for all of y'all. I love it more for me. And I really love it for Taylor Hay and the St. Louis Slam. I've played against the St. Louis Slam many times. I think the last matchup that I had with them, I was playing for the Madison Blaze. And I was just like, yeah, I need to be like that. Them girls were throwing me around. And I, y'all know I'm not a small girl. I'm five foot ten and 250. <laughs> like, I'm not a small chick. And them girls were throwing me around. I'm like, okay, well, this is what it is. Well, <laughs> like, it was like having a team of 27 of me. And then some. I love it. But on a, on, on a, on a real note, the St. Louis Slam have been preparing for this game and this, this, lati- this longitude and latitude of game for a very long time. And that's not, that's not to take any credit away from Boston, not at all. Like, everybody knows what Boston's about. Everybody knows that Boston is going to give them a game. It's going to be a very challenging game on both sides. And to be quite honest with you, I don't even think it's going to end in regulation. That thing's going to go into overtime. It's going to be it's wow, going to be the Slam by, Matt, by 14 in overtime. Are you predicting overtime, overtime yeah. in the pro final? Yeah. What? Yep, yep, absolutely. Because that's, that's the magnitude of talent they have on those teams. Like, some of y'all don't really understand wow. until you actually play the sport and see what we see as players and coaches. Like, both teams are, are, are disgustingly talented. And, not, and I'm not using disgusting as 
you know, a bad word or a ne- like a negative connotation, like disgusting, meaning like it's ridiculous how much talent both teams have and how they've been able to produce for so long on such a high level. Mac, um, we, we talked to Taylor. The depth is not an issue this year because she said they were holding almost 40 to 45, right? So we know yeah. what Boston's all around. It's, it's a platoon. But to her point, okay, Jada Humphrey's ready. Jamie Gall's ready for the moment. She's obviously ready for the moment, right? There's uh, Kaylee Netswith. Uh, everybody's ready for this moment. They have, they have basically worked for this moment, right, Mark? That's what she said? This was the Absolutely. target. This is their moment. That's right. Yeah, they began their, you know, off-season regiment, you know, knowing that they had to prepare for Boston if they want to win a championship. Um, anybody else they face before that isn't going to be as good as Boston. So they, they have to prepare for Boston. So that's been, that's been their, you know, kind of uh, objective since day one. And so, um, obviously, I think hopes are very high that we're going to see, um, you know, a competitive game, a knockout uh, WFA Pro uh, matchup on ESPN2. Um, and hopefully it will go down to the wire. I mean, you know, uh, overtime, that's, <laughs> that would be amazing uh, just as a fan to see, you know, that sort of thing it hardly ever happens in, in, you know, the NFL Super Bowl, right? I, I think it was uh, last year or a couple, couple years ago that went over overtime. Hardly ever happens. So in a championship game, that would be quite amazing. And, you know, uh, Mac is, is right on. Like, you know, both teams have, like, a ridiculous amount of, of talent. So a lot of this stuff is going to come down to, like, the matchups and who can exploit matchups. It, you know, both teams, like, when you kind of look at them, you know, they're a lot like each other, right? They've got, you know, more than one successful running back on their squad, which says that they both have pretty good O-lines, right? Uh, Cahill, of course, great quarterback. Um, but uh, Gall is, you know, she's in her ninth season. She's very experienced. Oh, she, you know, she's passing great, over 1,000 yards, 61.5% a completion percentage, uh, and a quarterback rating of 131. So, you know, um, you know, good matchup there at quarterback. And on defense, I mean, both teams have fantastic defenses. Um, Boston's very deep, and they have a lot of, a lot of skill level with their replace, you know, the, the as you say the platoon in right and they're very aware of you know they have good situational awareness and they get the right personnel on the field on defense um given whatever the situation is st louis hasn't you know for most uh of this season hasn't given up an offense or, you know an offensive touchdown um so two great defenses the two teams are, are quite a bit, a lot like each other. And Mac, uh, Taylor did mention they're not worried about them getting scored on in this final. They're worried about the end result, like you said, the edging of a point, right? Seventh, a touchdown win, a two-touchdown win. 
They know they're mm-hmm. they know Boston's going to score, and they know they got to score with Boston, right? That's literally the reality in this matchup. Right. Yeah, and like I said, like I said before, it's it's about the end result. It's about who has the more points when the clock says quadruple zero. You know, that's 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 what they're gunning for, and that's what Boston's gunning for. And like I said, not to take anything away from Boston at all, because I mess with Boston heavily, like I really do. But I think I mess with the St. Louis Slam a little bit more because they're a little closer to my heart in terms of the region that I live in. So it's it's gonna be it's gonna be fireworks, and I just I don't think people really understand the magnitudes of these games that are happening this weekend. Mac. If you're a fan, we're sitting in the stands. St. Louis goes up by two scores, if that's even possible. But if they do go up two scores, the underdog joy of things starts to kick in, right? The fact that they might stay competitive enough. Because nobody in the East has done it. St. Louis, if they can stay toe-to-toe with them, this is going to be a great final, like an amazing final. Well, and, and not if, I mean, because they will. And if, and if they weren't able to keep up, they would not be in this situation. Like, let's just call it – let's just call it Spain. Let's Spain. Let's call it what it is. If the St. Louis yeah. Slam wasn't fully capable of competing with the other teams that are just like them, that are just like Boston, but not quite like Boston. You know, just like we said, there's not any tougher team that they've played this year that's going to be like Boston. The very closest team that they have played is the Minnesota Vixens. And, and that's clearly no knock on them. But like, the Minnesota Vixen is a very, very tough team. So that's about the equivalent, at least in the Midwest, to what they're going to see. So they're fully prepared. Like I said, they've been preparing. They've been preparing. They know, they know what, what, magnitude this is, what, what magnitude of game this is going to be. Like anybody, that's anybody that knows our sport and that actually watches the sport of football in general and not just college and not just NFL that actually knows, like, women are out here producing the same type of thing, you just have to go look for it they're going to understand. And I think both, both, both opponents, the, you know, the Boston Renegades and the St. Louis Slam literally understand what's going to happen. So it's going to be fireworks. And it's not even so much that St. Louis is an underdog because that would be disrespectful to say because they're not an underdog. Underdogs always have a chip on their shoulder. St. Louis Slam, to me, has never had a chip on their shoulder. They have literally – and if they had had a chip on their shoulder, you couldn't see it. You couldn't tell. Not from a mile away. Not from the field. Not from outer space. Not from Salty's house. You couldn't see it. So we have a battle of undefeateds. Just so you, we we lay the stage out. The battle of undefeateds, right? So, uh, Mark, uh, I was sent a message earlier today about the matchup, and it is a true statement, right? Boston and St. Louis were scrimmaging for six and a half weeks. Now the real matchup comes up. <laughs> I hate to say it that way, but that's the statement. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, there's definitely, some, I think, some some grain of truth to that to that statement. Um, you know, Boston definitely, when they enter the season, um, you know, the goal is always the, always the championship, and everything, every practice, every film session every workout and, and every game is is just a step closer to winning the championship. So certainly in that sense, you know, um, the regular season games 
you know, in a way it was all just practice scrimmages, um, just getting in there and seeing, you know, real life football situations and learning from it. Um, Boston has a, a motto, get 1% better every time you step on the field. Um, so that there's constant, they're constantly improving. So that's for their philosophy of getting to the championship. And we've talked about, you know, what St. Louis slammed out was, was at the beginning uh, of the season. And um, that was to face, face Boston, prepare for Boston, because that's, that's who's going to be there facing you in the end. And I think there's no doubt that these are the two best teams in WFA Pro, I don't. I don't think there's any question whatsoever that that these are the two best teams, and they definitely belong in the final. Yeah, and we have two former champions, right? D2 multi-time champion. We have WFA Pro multi-time champion. So great, great matchup here. So looking forward to uh, you know the the slam making an impact in terms of Boston, and this is going to be a, a game to see. Uh, ESPN2, as Mark alluded here. And so we're looking forward to St. Louis versus Boston in the National Pro Final. And then, um, Mackenzie, OKC, pretty impactful. You guys were able to hold them to 24 points. You guys were able to sustain, you know, the offense down below. New York, literally Baltimore had it won, Mac, 19-0 to through three quarters. And then Karen Mulligan comes in and rides the right and you know uh it just it it was a different ball game but you know the wolves started off really slow i don't think they can do that against okc i mean you've seen okc live you've played them more than once yeah if they start slow i don't know if they can i don't know if karen can come make a comeback at that point well i'm gonna i'm gonna be frank with you right now um i'm gonna be real frank and people gonna hate me and i really don't care because that's what i do i give unpopular opinions whether people like it or not that's my forecast. I'm taking the New York Wolves <laughs> by seven points. And it's going to be late in the third quarter what? that they pull away. Um, yeah, yeah, I said what I said. You're going to deal with it. You're going to like it. You're going to put some sugar on the cookie and eat it up. Grill it like a chicken burrito. I said what I said. The New um, York Wolves are going to win this you're game. You're pouring by chocolate seven on a cookie? What? Yup. Chocolate, chicken burrito. I don't care. I said what I said. Grill it up and eat it. The New York Wolves are going to take this one. But it's not going to be easy. What is the key? Just like Mac, got, tell we, me the key. The key. Tell me the key because we're looking at we're looking at an offensive potential here. We're looking at um, T. Singleton, Elizabeth Jones, uh, Elizabeth Jones over a thousand yards rushing. You got T. Singleton. You got yeah, Tamira Sweet. No, she's to a contain with. Yeah, absolutely. No, no. What I'm saying you're is, absolutely right. I'm saying on, I'm saying Baltimore. If you look at the game that New York played, right? Ayala struggled the first three quarters, okay? It was literally a collapse of the Nighthawks in the fourth quarter by an by a, basically a three-minute drill by Mulligan and company that got them the win. That's what I'm saying. Do they ride with Mulligan, Mac? Is that what you're saying, for them to even have an opportunity? Or are they going to go with Ayala in the first quarter and then figure out, oh, wow, we need to make a change again? Well, I, I think we, we need to backtrack just a little bit and go back to the fact that it wasn't so much a fall apart of the, the Nighthawks. It was a more of a come together or a come to Jesus meeting, as we like to call it here in the Midwest and the South, um, of 
those New York Wolves. Um, for the New York Wolves, what's going to have to happen is they're going to have to carry whatever momentum that they had at the last the last two quarters of that game. They're going to have to have that same exact mm-hmm. momentum and drive the entire game against Oklahoma City. Because I'll tell you this, and I don't care what Oklahoma City say, I don't care what nobody else in the league say. I said what I said. And I'm going to say it with confidence. I'm going to say it with pride. When Oklahoma City gets off of their train. They are very hard to deal with. They get mad at each other. They get mad at the other team, and then they turn it on. That's their for, that is their forte is Oklahoma City will turn it on when they know they're, they're, they're starting to slack. It was the exact, it's the exact same formula with what happened in New York. The only difference is Oklahoma City has been smashing people all season, and New York has, has been handling their own the entire season. The score differentials are not, are not quite, you know, they're not quite similar but the fact that Oklahoma City and the New York Wolves are now playing for the D2 National Championship, and they both have absolutely earned their right to be there. But I'm, I'm still taking the New York Wolves because they've been here before. Like, their organization, they come from a very great pedigree of players and coaches and ownership, where it kind of seems like the Oklahoma City Lady Force is kind of still in that stage of building who they are. Like everybody knows who they are as far as their dominance, but they don't, people don't know how they play because lots of people and teams don't pay attention to the Midwest so much. So as, as the champs from last year upgraded to D2, they're looking to do what Nevada did in terms of OKC. Bingo. They're trying to, bingo. Right. They're trying to do what Nevada did. So uh, if you're Desiree Jeffries, right, uh, this is going to be a big moment for you because you've played so well all season. Now the question for me, uh, Mark, is New York ready for this moment? Because if it takes Mulligan in 14 minutes to get you to the final, I hope that's not the case, you know, where you got to have one quarter of, you know, blowout football, which we want to see anyways. We, I, if they get, they get down 19 points and they turn around and, and put up what they did against uh, Baltimore and they take down OKC, that will be historic to watch. Oh, yeah, I, I think it definitely would be. Um, and, you know, I don't know what kind of magic uh, Karen Mulligan can pull out of her hat or her helmet again, um, you know, two games in a row. It's really hard for me to, you know, it, hey, the Wolves are a great, you know, they're a good team. They, they've been a contender um, for D2, um, and now they're, they're in a championship. So, you know, as Max said, they earn the right to be there. Um, and, um, but when I, you know, when I look at their season stats, you know, they have, I'm wor- I'm kind of worried about, um, the Wolves becoming one dimensional, you know, they, they have yep. one running back, that's my worry. one running back that's over 100 yards on the season. And that's Matik Jones, 583 yards, uh, on a, you know, a little over a hundred carries. The next leading rusher for New York has been uh, Danielle Ayala, your quarterback at 97 yards. And everybody else is, you know, under that, who, who's, whoever's run the ball for the Wolves. So it, that, you know, that just tells me that if you could stop one player, then you can probably change the whole complexion um, and, you know, force – uh, Mulligan to throw the ball and, and, and become, you know, a one-dimensional team. If they're going to throw it every time, then then you know how to defend them. So I'm kind of favoring um, 
Oklahoma City in this, um, I, I think they'll be able to to handle New York. Um, but you know, a lot has to do with what it looks like in the trenches, and, and we won't really know till we get there. Mackenzie, is the Wolves key yep. uh, going to be Capardi, Periota, and Gandlin to play almost lights out like they get against Baltimore? It's going to take a collective team effort. I'll tell you that. Um, yeah. They're, they're, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not even going to say if because, again, I've, I've played Oklahoma City for many years now and more or less on a um, – on a rival, not I'm not gonna call it a rivalry because it's not like a, it's not like we hit each other, but it is essentially a rivalry. Nebraska and Oklahoma, you know, kind of like the college days, you know, OU, University of Nebraska, Oklahoma City, Nebraska Pride. Um, New York can't start off slow. They cannot start off slow against Oklahoma City because the, the second that they realize that, it, it will be lights out. If, if Oklahoma City even gets it an, an inclination that they're having issues or something's not going right on their end, it's gonna, it, they're going to they're gonna take it to the house every every time. Um, and we, unfortunately, as a pride, we, we figured that out the first game. You see the second game, it wasn't even nearly close to the, the score that it was when we played them the first time because we were able to make those adjustments yeah. throughout the season and come back and hold them to what, they, what, we, what we were able to. We didn't get the win, but I'll tell you, we made a statement for next year, and that's what Oklahoma City is looking to do. They made a statement in D3. They've now made a statement in D2, being undefeated again for a second year in a row. In a, in a new you know in a new division, they won they won the D3 last year. Now they're looking to win the D2. New York has to start out fast and they have to hit hard because those girls in Oklahoma City don't play. They hit hard and they play fast. They have they have IQ. They have knowledge. They have field vision. Their coaches see it. Everybody sees it. Just and on the, on the flip side. Oklahoma City can't start off slow either. Like that that's gonna be the key to this game is which which team is going to come out fast first. Perfect. All right. Uh, I know you gotta go, so thanks for coming in. Give us some insights on the two matchups here. Really looking forward to July twenty second this coming weekend and we're all gonna be hanging out with some popcorn. Yeah, it's gonna be great. I'm telling you. St. Louis playing by fourteen. Okay. All right, so it's on record. <laughs> so you know, it's on record before you go. It's on record. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I'll say it loud with my chest. Uh, New York Wolves by seven, and uh, St. Louis play by 14. I said what I said, grow it up and eat it. Don't at me. There though. we go. <laughs> you won't like Roll it. Roll it up. All right. So the salty one's in the house, uh, and we will look forward to the 22nd here as uh, we've got New York against OKC. So thanks for coming in, Mac. Appreciate it. All right, Mark, uh, let's go – let's figure this out uh, one more time here. Is, is, you know, is the receiving core for the Wolves, to a max point, they have to be on point like they were in that fourth quarter in order for them to right. kind of slow down OKC. I, I, yeah, I think so. I mean, if – you know, and that's my reference to Mulligan Magic, you know. Um, mm-hmm. If she can keep feeding, you know – the receivers um, and if the receivers can kind of take a punishing uh, in terms of like hits, getting hits and getting a lot of action on the field, the wolves survive, you know, kind of surviving this. Um, now you, by contrast, right. The, you know, the lady force 
<laughs> as by definition of you know if you if you look at their stats they they are one dimensional they they run the ball and can you stop the run and no one's been able to stop them yet so far right so we definitely know what they're about they're not going to you know you know be you know pony surprises i think um but they just they have lots of athletes that can run the ball and obviously their o line's pretty good um if they've they've got you know someone over a thousand yards elizabeth jones over a thousand yards and 14 touchdowns um and the next two are t singleton mott over 200 yards uh, and and tamira sweet also over 200 yards five and four touchdowns so they've got scores so they know how to score um is you know new york's defense can they stop them they've got they've got great players right it's going to be, um, but, uh, Mark, it's going to be a tall task for Gabby Farrell and uh, Maya Outlaw and Najee Brown. I mean, those are the three yep. uh, the three girls right. that were, like, making a half against Baltimore. So now this is going to be yep. a big, big moment for them because this is – can they do that, right? Can they stop the single team? Right. Can they stop right. the running backs? A lot of That's pressure right. on them. I mean, and Yeah, the defense is going to have a lot of pressure on them. Um you, it might right just come down to which defense hits the other guys harder, right? Yep. I mean that's yep. that's kind of that that could be how this this game looks like. Um, you know, if, if Mulligan is trying to connect with Capardi, you know, the cornerbacks and the safeties are are you know going to want to lay a hit, you know, and of course the linebackers for New York have to be strong up the middle in between the tackles and, and, and lay the hits out on Oklahoma's running backs. So it might just, it might just come down to that Oscar who, who's going to hit the hardest. Yeah, that's what's going to be the key. I mean, I, I know New York is talented. We don't, we all know that, right? They, they proved it in one quarter that they're very talented. Uh, they can tear down a secondary Mulligan with, with the best of them to take, to tear down a secondary. So it's going to be a really an opportunity like, Max says, um, you know, New York cannot get into a situation they did against Baltimore because then it's going to be way, way intense. And they're not going to, they're yeah. not going to come back from that. I don't, I don't think they have the tools for that. But at the same That's time, right. if they can stay toe-to-toe with, you know, if they can stay toe-to-toe on scores, we got opportunity there. So I'm giving um, – I am definitely giving OKC the edge just on the fact that obviously they have the better – to me, the better run game. And I think that'll make a mm-hmm. difference, like you said, to your point with the touchdowns. sounds. Uh, not, not to discredit the receiving core in, in New York, but going into this game, you know, is it going to be a Yala that's going to shine, or is it going to be Mulligan to salvage it again? That's the question that we have on the other side right now. So, right. So given those questions, we don't, we don't even know who's you know, starting. So, yeah, exactly. So I'm assuming Di- Danielle's going to start. Maybe uh, tries to redeem herself in this final. You know what I mean? But we yeah, might yeah, be Mulligan at the so, point. You know, I really don't know. Question marks for New York. Uh, that's why I'm giving OKC the edge. Uh, on, on the other side, Boston, uh, I think Boston will overcome. I think this will be their biggest test, as we said before. And I think St. Louis is ready for this, and that's what we want. We want the, the class of two undefeated champions and, and pro. And uh, St. Louis, to uh, max point, could shock us, right? Could be a one-point win. Could be an overtime one-point win. Or it could be a, a safety, right? Or it could be something just out of the ordinary that could happen. So, um, but we'd like to see Boston challenge, right, Mark? That's what we want to see. We want to see Boston actually get challenged. 
that will be a great game. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I I think St. Louis is the team that's best equipped to, you know, give Boston a challenge. Um, and so I'm looking forward to an exciting game. I am going to take, of course, Boston. Um, and I sure. will take Boston by, by, by 14 points. I don't think it will be any less Perfect. than that. Um, but if it does, you know, we're, we'll all benefit from – from having that, you know, an awesome close game, um, uh, we will see. Uh, I also am taking Oklahoma City over uh, the New York Wolves um, by I'm going to yeah, I'm going to say seven points. I, I think I think New York will will maybe they'll you know score some you know catch up trying to catch up like maybe pull within seven or ten. Uh, by the final whistle. I agree with that. Uh, that's that's my take on there. Let's uh, finish up D3 here. We got uh, about 10 minutes uh, left. So if you're Mariah Bartlett, very talented, elusive as well as she is, but you get the benefit of Ashana Brooks and Maya Melcher, if I'm pronouncing her, Melcher, uh, Melchor, Maya, uh, Maya Melchor. Um, so this is the bread and butter for the Benitas. And for the Coyotes, this is going to be the challenge right here because uh, receiving and rushing, Brooke is a monster. Yeah. I mean, in, in D3 particularly, you can see, um, you know, a player take over a game um, in a way that maybe is a bit more prevent, preventable, um, say, in, in the pro division. But, um, you know, both teams actually seem pretty well-rounded with, with athletes, I think. Um, and it certainly has helped them uh, get to this point in the season. Uh, you know, the Coyotes, you know, have a handful, literally a handful of, of players who, you know, have um, more than a 10-yard average per run which is pretty crazy. That's pretty crazy. So, um, you know that they've got athletes there and they've got athletes on their, their offensive line. Um, and, uh, you know, the Benitas, uh, you know, a very, you know, very similar in that they have a lot of um, capable people at, ru- you know, running back. Got three folks over 100 yards. Um, but as you say, you know, Brooks, you know, at 13 touchdowns, you know, that's, that's the machine there that, that, that creates wins for the Benitas. So obviously, you know, uh, Palm Beach is going to key in on that player. And it's just a, a can you stop me kind of situation. The other flip side, Mark, um, the, the Coyotes are basically a run game by committee similar to Boston, yeah. to your point. So it's a run game by committee. You have no idea who's going to take the ball. Uh, everybody, uh, I think everybody's under 300 yards. So the distribution there was basically all season. So this could be their key to their win. You know, fresh running backs. You know, it, it could be. It could be a strategy. Um, just, you know, fresh legs in and out. Um, but if, if if they can you know, run this direction, maybe have two backs in the backfield and run this direction, then they, you know, could really increase their um, chances of success 
against the Benitas. It'll be interesting to see, to actually see these teams because I have not, not been able to see video on either of these teams all season. So it, it, it's kind of hard to just look at the paper and get a sense for, yep. for what they do. But with the you know, compilation of all the numbers from, from the entire season, it at least gives you some sort of picture. This will, this will definitely be an interesting one to check out. Well, Greenland and Williams are basically the key focus point in terms of if you're New, New Mexico because they're the ones that were averaging almost, I think, over 15, 10 to, over 10 yards a game. So depending on the competition that they had, obviously, in season, uh, they were able to put up, I think, four, four scores, but nothing compared mm-hmm. to Brooks. And like I said, if you're, right. if you're uh, West Palm Beach, to your point, you, you stop Brooks, you, you give yourself a really good chance, you know, to win. Where if you're New Mexico, I mean, at this, it's really the run game, and then you've got to be able to – the passing game has not been a, a very big factor for the Coyotes. It's been basically the run game by committee, so – I mean, if you're yeah. in New Mexico, you're planning the you're planning the uh, the rock on the ground and how you can stop it. Yeah, that's right. And you know, uh, although you know they have one person who's their primary primary scorer, um, it seems like a lot of people have toted the rock, and you know, you know, two, you know, two with with you know, I'm sorry, three altogether with very nice um, uh, average yards per carry you know, over, over four. So that's what you're, you're looking for something over four. Um, So it seems like they can run the ball all day if they want to and, and just, you know, pound the rock and see where it takes them. They, they, they've got, you know, they got enough people to do that. Yeah. That's going to be the key for it. Um, If you're Patrice Colley, this is your big moment. You know, you're the underdog coming in here. Um, Like I said, they have, uh, have won, what, two titles in the WTFL? This would be their first mm-hmm. WFA title. It would be three years in a row that they'd be successful in finishing with the championship. So that would that is what the Coyotes are looking forward to. If you're the Benitas, you're in the same boat that Nebraska is, right? First-year first team, you're able to get to the ship the first year. That would be so rewarding yep. to, to go and take down Coyotes as well because the former champs in the other league – so that's uh, that would you know make it a really good statement for New Mexico for next season too, uh, well, given time, you know, their successful season. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, if, yeah, if you're definitely. if you're Maria Barlett right now, like I said, you know she hasn't had the best passing rating all season, but she did she hasn't needed it, right, Mark? <laughs> Just hand it off to Melchor and Brooks and make things happen that's right. that way. So. Yeah, and you know she she's got you know she's got legs as well. She had 28 carries. Maybe not all of them yep. were intentional, but, you know, it's 56 yards. It's yardage, yep. two touchdowns. Yep. So, um, she, you know, she's still a part of that game plan. She's another weapon on the ground. So, um, um, yeah. She's, interesting matchup for D3, as you're pointing out. Interesting because we, not, we have not seen these two teams live, right, in a physical game film that we've researched. Right. So we have not seen right. them. So this is going to be this is going to be an interesting matchup for us to see because it'll unveil before us, right? It'll start unveiling right. before us as, as we quarter by quarter. So um, I am taking. I think the edge will have to. Uh, I I think the Bonitas, if they can, if Palm Beach can limit Brooks, that would give me the inclination for Coyotes. But because of the way they struggled against Maine, 
I'm giving the edge to New Mexico. Yes, I, I'm also giving uh, the edge to New Mexico. I certainly, um, you know, have that same perspective. Maine is a nice, you know, is a good team, is a nice team. They did really well this year. They're getting better. Um, but, you know, I, I think at the championship level, when you're looking at Palm Beach kind of struggling against Maine, it makes it gives me pause, right? Um, to just ask myself, you know, are they are they championship are they championship level? And, and so, I turn to the Benitas. Okay, I, I look what I look at. Wyshana Brooks, thirteen touchdowns on the season on the ground. Um, and yeah, I I just have to, um, you know, lean towards New Mexico in this one. Yeah, the firepower uh, as a dual threat, that is both running backs are dual threats, receiving and um, rushing. So right. it's kind of like a Marshall Falk. <laughs> it's kind of like having Marshall Falk in a way. Uh, you know, both, both threats are – if they can stop both of them, limit them their capabilities, opportunity there for uh, West Palm Beach to really surprise. But – I think oh, at yeah. this point Definitely going in, we're lo- we're looking at probably giving the Banitas the edge. And what a, what a finish if New Mexico wins it all, Mark. That's going to be a big finish. Yeah, from from not existing to champion, amazing. Yeah, that would be amazing. What a story! What a story! All right, uh, shout out to Coach Megan Patterson, uh, who's who's going to be in the championship game. So Megan Patterson out there, Coach Megan Patterson, obviously one of the key staples for the Bonitas. So looking forward to it. So we got Boston versus St. Louis. We got New York taking on OKC. And we got New Mexico taking on West Palm Beach. So, Mark, that's it. It's out. Two hours. Wow, it's gone fast. <laughs> well, yeah, things move fast now. Um, you know, we'll have championship weekend. Uh, we'll have our, you know, a couple weeks of – of uh, the the follow up from that and then it'll be it'll be slow season silly season slow season so it's fast now but um we see we see a little foresee a little break in the future here not too far all right so we got the slippers going on got the popcorn set up we got the remote ready to go we got slippers ready to go looking forward to that's right get your DV, get your DVRs on don't forget that Get your DVRs yep. on. Set those DVRs. All right, guys. All the info at WFAProFootball.com. And don't forget to go to the hub, subscribe, share, like our podcast, give us our five-star review. And don't forget to uh, replay, replay, replay. Right, Mark? We're That's right. So. Have a great night, everybody. Looking forward to the WFA National Championships. Thanks to Elizabeth Jenkins for coming in here, president of the WNFC, and for coaches uh, – uh, Nancy Javo, uh, Mayor, and uh, Jen Harakawa of the Nebraska Pride. So we'll catch you guys next week as we get the results of the WFA National Championships at the Hall of Fame Village in Canton, Ohio. Have a great night, everybody.